With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. what's up, man? Legalizing something and doing it to the point of being stupid are two different things, stupid. The X at 105.9. Joining me now, he is the constructor and conductor at DKPittsburghSports.com. He is Serbian reactionary Dayon Kovacevic. Dayon, I want to talk mostly Penguins, but... Uh, Kevin Colbert talked to the media today, and boy, the Ben situation really does seem up in the air, doesn't it? Well, I know of a certain local radio host who kind of called that last week, right? Yeah, I mean, but it shouldn't have been obvious just to me. It, You know, three weeks ago we were told everything was okay. If everything is okay, it doesn't yeah. take three weeks. No, it doesn't. And and I guess the, the best way to pick apart uh, Kevin Colbert's Many statements on this today uh, is to look first and foremost at the fact that who met with whom and when. And there has still not been a negotiation between the Steelers and Ben, not a formal negotiation. So if you're in favor of Ben coming back to be your quarterback, that's actually a positive thing. It means they haven't broken anything off. But the fact that each of those three gentlemen met with Ben individually, meaning Colbert, Art Rooney, and Mike Tomlin, uh, tells you that they're very interested. The part that kind of jumped out at me, though, Mark, a little bit awkwardly, I think, was it sure sounded like the Steelers are ready to just bend over backward with uh, for, for Ben, with Colbert even acknowledging that, well, it's going to kind of depend on what kind of players we can have to surround Ooh, Ben I, with. I took that like. as a smoke screen. I took that as switching heat to Ben if Ben doesn't come back. Oh, okay. So, I mean, when I hear that, when I hear that, the first thing that pops to my mind is Juju because it's still fresh for me that 10 minutes after that awful playoff loss to Cleveland that Ben meets with us uh, via Zoom there at Heinz Field, and somehow after that horrible outcome, which was largely his doing, that he found the gumption to, to stand there in front of everybody and make a case for Juju to come back. And I was like, really? Now? You're going to do that now? Yeah, I just don't think Juju wants to come back. I think he'll get more money elsewhere. I think he'll get more exposure elsewhere. But I, I do think a lot of things factor in. I mean, Ben's been left behind by a bunch of his cronies, including Pouncey and McDonald. But I think right now the ball's in the Steelers' court. Uh, I think that they want to make themselves look... Like, it's Ben's fault if Ben decides to not play, even if the Steelers decide Ben isn't going to play. I, I I just think people ignore that pro football organizations, heck, pro sports organizations, and the athletes too, they lie an awful lot. And uh, I think it's a tangled web right now. Well, I mean, there's certainly precedent for what you're describing. Um, I wouldn't necessarily go that cynical on it, but I also would remind that Bruce Arians was in retirement, right? Um, and that Troy Polamalu and others have been given gentle exits from which the team was largely absolved uh, of public and media criticism uh, in every case. So they're kind of good at it. Uh, they have great oh, players. Oh, great at they, it. 
I mean, even James yeah, Harrison to... too. I mean, James Harrison oh, heck, acted the could... fool on the way out the door, but uh, but he was pushed out. Well, I mean, you could take it all the way to all the way back to Franco Harris and, and ha- letting them use him as an example and the, wearing that stupid bird on his helmet, as Bradshaw described it, uh, the one year that he spent with the Seahawks. Uh, they they have a they 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 know how to do this. I'm not sure though that I that I'm, I'm on the same page with you there. I, I he's had a grip on them for a very very long time, Mark. And if they wanted to to push him out or shove him out, I think they would have been more effusive and more confident sounding in their praise of Mason Rudolph, who will be their quarterback if Ben is not back. Oh yeah, I, I agree with you. But I just think I mean Colbert today for the first time. And I didn't hear all of it, but but I heard a lot of uncertainty in his voice because of the cap situation, because mm-hmm. of potential free agent departures. I think the whole organization is in a state of flux, and I think the Ben situation is just one example of that. Yeah, but in, in fairness, all 32 are. Uh, the, the cap thing... Yeah, but the Steelers more so than usual with the cap. Yeah, the, right. The, 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 the cap thing, not to bore everyone to tears with this, but it's a violent swing in one direction or the other from 175 to something like 195 and whatever, because if you get it to a higher level and they're not ruling that out, meaning the NFL isn't with the way TV contracts are being negotiated, they could borrow from future years and apply it to the coming right, cap, which of right. course the players association. Oh, they're still making money of. hand over fist, right? It's a matter of how much sure they, they want to part with. How much do they want to part with now, right, versus versus 10 years from now or how the TV contracts play out? But if that's the case, now if you're the Steelers, you're in a completely different position because you do renegotiate with Ben, and you do go get yourself a free agent center to make sure that he's taken care of, and you do keep some of your defensive guys, not necessarily Bud. Uh, I didn't get a strong vibe from Kevin Colbert on Bud Dupree, but I do think you can make a really strong bid for Mike Hilton, for Cam Sutton, for younger guys like that to maybe replace Joe Hayden. Um, these are good places to spend money uh, if you're the Steelers, but they just don't know. There is so much uncertainty, and I think that's why he sounded like that. And maybe Ben wants to see how the uncertainty trickles down, although yep. I think time is of the essence for that decision to be made. By the way, dead spin. I don't like dead spin, but they have a great headline on a tweet uh, linking a story about Ben the Steelers sure don't sound too hot on Ben Roethlisberger. And I think that's probably the best way to say it. We're talking today on Kovacevic. He's brought to you by your neighborhood Ford Stores. I want to talk Penguins. And you thought the Penguins played worse than the score last night. I agree. But how so? How do you see it? I, I didn't like their intensity once they didn't score on those first couple of power plays, including the 5-on-3. Jake hits the post. Sid misses an open net. Brian Rust had a good chance. Uh, you saw Vitek Vanacek, Washington's goaltender, really looking uncertain of himself. Um, and you hate to not score in those situations. But then, from there, Washington just took the game over. I mean, this was 50 minutes of this. Um, the Penguins are at least the equal of the Washington Capitals. I really believe that. And I'm not just saying that because they won the first three meetings, which they did. Uh, and to see Washington play with so much more energy and so much more gusto, uh, look at the standings, man. Mark, this is the way we all saw the East Division shaping up, isn't it? Look at it. Look at it. Bruins, Islanders, Flyers up to the top three spots, Capitals versus Penguins for four and five. 
you got to understand that and you got to recognize it and you got to attack it. I didn't like their play. Uh, I thought their forwards, particularly Jason Zucker and Evgeny Malkin, looked lost at times. Kasperi Kapanen did too. First line wasn't any good. Uh, the fourth line was awful. Uh, the, the defense was whatever because they're still banged up and they're getting guys back. And I'm going to be the only guy in the room to say that I didn't like the, the first two goals that Washington passed Tristan Jari because I'm tired of seeing his heels in the back of the net. Well, let, let me stop you there. I totally agree with that. And even though Jari made 39 saves, uh, he let in three goals. Three's too many. He's only allowed less than three in one of his nine starts. And, and you're right. He's too deep in the net. And I'm... I'm calling out their goalie coach, Mike Buckley, because Tristan Jari inside of a year has somehow found a way to mimic all of Matt Murray's flaws. Well, I'm not just, I mean, look at the bottom three or four or five goaltenders in the NHL right now in save percentage, and three of them are Murray, Jari, and Casey DeSmith. I mean, you know, follow the, follow the crumbs. You know, it's not that hard. Uh, I, I, there's no way. If you're Ron Hextall or Brian Burke and you're coming in and you're trying to get a first impression of this roster, that you're not moved right off the bat by the, the timidity of this goaltending. Let me ask you a question. When you saw the Lars Eller dump shorthanded last night, because I'm kind of 75-25 on this. I think you know which one I'm talking about, the first period. Yeah, the one that, that uh, took a fluky bounce and manufactured a chance. Off the end boards. Right. Did you want Jari out getting that puck? Yeah. Yeah, me too. And, and, and that was kind of – I wrote that in a column today. My readers, some of them came at me for it. And I'm thinking, you know, there's a difference, obviously, between seeing something on TV and in person. I, and I was in the press box last night, and I couldn't believe he didn't come out. Well, I'm, I'm amazed thinking, how little he handles the puck because it's his strength, but he doesn't do it anymore. It's, he's been so good at it. And, and, and every time he gets it now, it's like it's a live grenade. And I'm just not seeing, I'm not knocking him, and heaven knows I'm not blaming him for the loss last night. That would be irrational. But there's something that's off there. And if I'm Hextall and Burke, and I'm thinking of like a quick fix, presuming that they're all serious all the way up to Mario about making something out of this season, a quick fix is getting a goaltender in here. Well, a veteran, you could get a cheap, yeah. you know, veteran, you know, hopefully steadying, but how would you do that? You wouldn't trade a draft pick. You can't keep doing nope. that. Do you nope. sign a free agent? Do you go out and sign? I mean, Dubnik's available. I'm not a fan, but he is available. I move a left-handed defenseman. Uh, you, you know, once Brian Dumoulin and, and Yuso Rico will come back, you're going to have more of those than you know what to do with. Uh, yeah, I, I want to save that. I want to save whoever I trade from the left side of defense for a better trade than temporarily shoring up the goaltending. You, you might have more faith in this season than I do. That's fair, but let's say it was a Marcus Pedersen that you moved, and he's he's young and he's got some value to him. He signed to a longer term contract. Uh, you know what you're going to get from him. If there's a team that could use a player like that, and you ask for a young goaltender in return, maybe there's something there. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I, I would investigate it, but I I I I would try to take a cheaper route. I don't want to get like I said. I think eventually, mm-hmm. Dejon, the number one defense pair for the team, and when I say eventually, I mean maybe by next year, is going to be <laughs> POJ and Marino, and I think that offers you plenty of trading material. That's that's possible. Hey, you know what? The second pairing last night had more five-on-five time than Latang's pairing did. So you, you never know how that's going to work out, especially if a coach feels like his back is against the wall, and I don't know that we're that far 
from Mike Sullivan feeling that. Now, let's talk about Gino because he's been awful all season. Mm-hmm. And the, peop- the people, the fans don't want to trade Gino because that's how it works, Dejan. Not just Indigenous to Pittsburgh, but everybody wants their team to be better and be improved, but nobody wants to lose one of their favorite players. Uh, and I'm not saying trade Gino yet, but I'm saying if he keeps playing this way, you can't extend his contract. And if he doesn't no, straighten out, the team's shocked. <laughs> there's, there's that too. Um, you know, Teddy Bluger's outscoring Evgeny Malkin right now. I don't know how many people realize that. Yeah, eight to seven. He's got eight points to Gino seven. Yeah, that reflects um, worse on Gino than it does good on Teddy. But Teddy's playing great. No, 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 no. Teddy's having a pretty nice little year so far. That this is what the sort of thing you want to see from him. And 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 Zach Aston Reese with three goals in three games and that line and everything. But when you're seeing constantly, and we saw it again last night, Brandon Tanev is bumped up to that line instead of Zucker. And then another time he took a shift of Capitans and they're moving this guy and they're moving that guy. And he's not around anymore, but Jim Rutherford at one point blamed the wingers and whatever. Look, the wingers are, are being tasked with carrying the superstar center. Oh, the wingers are being damaged by Malkin right now, not vice versa. He's taken Zucker and especially Capitan and killed them both stone dead. Yeah, that is that. That's a fair thing, and I think if you were to see, you know, a couple of shifts with those guys, heck, we saw it. Remember when Kapanen first joined the Penguins and got into the lineup, and he was on that fourth line with Sevier and Jankowski, and you couldn't take your eyes off him. Remember, and that does not su- suggest that those guys are top six talents, but he was getting the puck. He was in a spot where he could make things happen and create. Uh, Gino's killing them. Uh, there's not another way around it. If you're looking for a singular focus of blame, as a lot of people like to do, uh, the lack of a second line emanates from Gino. My belief, my belief is that he came into this season not in the proper shape, and he's trying to get his way back into that. Similarly, when Gino was very productive last season, and this is why you don't give up on him. He's not done. He's not, you know, old and whatever. Last season, when you asked him and when I asked him, what's going on so that was so great? Because he was super terrific. He had more points per game in five on five than anyone in the league. Up to the restart, he was great. He was, he was flying. He said, it's all in my legs. I'm flying. His skating. It was all in his skating. That's not there now. He doesn't have the energy. He doesn't have the legs. Uh, what's the most the Penguins could hope for this season, and is their window closed? Oh, boy, those are really two separate questions, aren't they? No. I mean, if you if, if you make a determination <laughs> that so. this season or bust, yeah, that that's 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 where Hextall and Burke, you know, have to have to get together with ownership and everything. And you know, if, if they look down there and they say, "What is it exactly that you guys were trying to do here before we got here?" Because that out there. Oh, no, let me, let me tell you. I, I remarked sense. on that earlier. I think the Penguin <laughs> situation looks a lot better from a distance than it does up close. Yeah. I, and when you come in here and you're watching this and you see some of the body language out there and you go, what? Wait well, a like, second. Like what, 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 what is when, that? When Berkey and Hextall were on my show day on, and they both, mm-hmm. you know, you know, were effusive about, you know, Malkin in particular. You know, Malkin and Sid, they're they're a group package in discussion so, so often. And I'm thinking to myself, have you guys really seen Gino? I mean, I think they're assuming yeah. a lot and haven't seen a lot. Oh, they even threw, I mean, they, they mentioned, 
in their introductory press conference, they, they also threw Latang in with those guys as if there were, you know, three of these guys. And you're going to see these, you know, they're going to pay closer attention. I'm sure they already are. They're going to talk to the coaching staff. They're going to find out all kinds of stuff behind the scenes that even people like me and you that are covering the team don't know about. And I, I just, I don't see a happy ending for this. I don't. I don't know of an athlete who has ever gotten themselves into proper conditioning during a short season where you're playing every other night. You know what I'm saying? That just doesn't happen. Uh, so I, I, I don't, you know, it's going to be tough for this team to make the playoffs. It is. Well, and even tougher for them to win a round. You see, here's something I wrote last week, though, Dayon. I would almost hate to see them make the playoffs and win a round because I don't know if this management team would make the decisions that need made if there's a false dawn. Have you ever heard the term four-loss win? No. Uh, Steve Blass uh, from the Pirates uses it a lot. He's when you have a bad starting pitcher and they go out there and they throw they throw a really good game, he goes, uh-oh. That means they're just going to keep him in the rotation and he's going to lose the next four. Uh, well, if I can think of one franchise that the term four-loss win should be associated with, it's the Pirates. Well, not in his day, but since then, sure. Uh, it's it's. I, I agree with you on that. I thought Montreal might have been more of a bellwether for this franchise than it was. You know, as it is, there's already been some changes, obviously, with Jim leaving, uh, Jim Rutherford, but, you know, not nearly enough. Not nearly enough. All you got to do, Mark, is turn on NHL Network and watch these other games. I do. You know what I'm saying? I do. It's like they're playing a different sport. It's a different sport, man. Not in Canada. In Canada, it's minor league, but every place else. Day on great stuff. We'll do it again next week. All right, Mark. Take care.